Hello and welcome once again to Reason for Hope. <laughs> Say hello everyone. Hello. Hello everyone. <laughs> it's good to see you. Welcome. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided uh, for the most part by your questions on God's Word, the Bible. That's right. You send your questions in through our multiple uh, online platforms and we delve into the Bible to find the answers to those. So if you have a question, an honest question, uh, send them in. And I will be fielding those as we go along, and we'd love to find the answers for you. It might be something going on in your world, maybe a verse or passage of scripture that you'd like expounded upon, maybe world events, maybe other religions, maybe Christianity itself. Really, any honest question, once again, as long as you know, we're going to delve into scripture to find the answers to those. My name's Dave Robson. I will be hosting today and fielding those questions. Also with us over here to my right, your left, uh, Pastor Bo Willett. How are you doing? Hey, good. Doing it's good. great to be with you yeah. again. Again. Third time this week. Yes. Yeah, this combo. My, my boss is over here. My supervisors. <laughs> my superiors. Yeah. Better be on your game today, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm trying. It's a Friday, a Friday evening, but I'll do my best. Yeah, Pastor Bo is the, the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship and also an, an author and uh, uh, founder of Running Light Ministries, as we talked about yesterday, and just a great brother in the Lord. So thanks for being here yeah. today to feel yeah, the Yeah, it's a blessing to be here. Yeah. Also, Pastor Scott Richards, he's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, also author and man of the Lord. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah. A lot of fun stuff to get to on the program today. Who knows which way it's going to go? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. When you open up to questions, you never know what direction you're going to go indeed. So, Well, as I mentioned, there are multiple ways that you can join us. Allow me to share some of those with you in case you need to jump around to different platforms. As I mentioned, we are with you Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We're broadcasting here in Tucson, Arizona at Calvary Christian Fellowship. And you can go to, uh, this is a great place to go, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Follow the Watch Live tab right there, and that will take you to our live page. You can also see other events there if you follow the events and sign-up page going on here in Tucson, Arizona at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Uh, but the for the purposes of Reason for Hope, that Watch Live tab, that will take you to our live page. You'll see a countdown to our next show and a schedule, not only Reason for Hope, but our regular services we have here at Calvary Christian <laughs> Fellowship. But when we're live, you'll see us live there. You'll be able to sign in with a, a username and be part of the broadcast through the chat function. The direct link for that is ccftucson.online.church or just follow the link, as I mentioned, from our calvarychristianfellowship.com website. On Facebook, we're at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, facebook.com slash ccftucson. Please do like and share. We'd love to reach out to people in your circles, your friends, so share that around. If you've been blessed by the broadcast, we'd appreciate that. We have an app as well, whether that's on your iPhone or Android or your iPad or mobile device, if you go to your app store, search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, you'll see our logo there. It's the Calvary Chapel white dove on a red background. You can download that onto your device. And also on Roku and Apple TV, we have a channel there as well. So you can watch us on the big screen if you have those devices as well. On YouTube, the channel is called A Reason for Hope. You'll see the same logo there, the, the Calvary Chapel white uh, dove there on YouTube youtube.com slash at a reason for hope five four six that's a great place to go for our archive as well if you miss a show or you want to kind of uh, review one of the questions we covered that's a great place to go also our services as well at calvary christian fellowship you can watch all our archive there uh, i believe sean kind of timestamps everything with the different questions in the description so you can search through if there's a question that interests you you can use that as like a bit of a study and research so that's pretty cool 
on uh, Twitter, you can follow Pastor Scott right here on Twitter. His handle is uh, ScottR4H, where he posts highlights from the show and sort of questions from the show and uh, commentary on uh, world events and prophetic things and uh, comedic things and things that will <laughs> interest you. <laughs> yeah. all kind a bit of, of a wry wit. All kind <laughs> of things, <laughs> yeah. Please don't encourage him too much. <laughs> We're trying to, you know, just keep him Rain him in. <laughs> uh, but yes, you can follow if you're a Twitter person. Please awesome. follow along with Scott there. And last but not least, our email address is questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. If you're listening on the radio, you are listening to a pre-recorded version of our show, usually yesterday's show. Uh, but use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we get to those questions on our next show. And then consider, you know, when you're home <coughs> or not on your drive time, uh, joining us on one of those live platforms would be part of the broadcast live. Well, whew, with all that being said, Bo, would you like to pray today before we yeah, take absolutely. one more step further? Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, be here and to get into your word uh, your word is that lamp unto our feet, the light unto our path. And you say, blessed are those who take hold of it. So that's our desire is to share your word uh, with uh, your spirit uh, through us. Uh, and so we pray uh, that you would have everything of this uh, time right now. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. 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 Is it true that that scripture, um, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, is a very central uh, verse in the Bible? Is that true? Or is that just something I heard? No, I think you might be right. It's the very that middle might be the very verse. Middle verse. Is, that, is that a myth or is that a true thing? I heard that. I've heard that, but I will look into it and verify it. Yeah. yeah the yeah. very, like, yeah. The I very central the verse. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how. I mean, you probably have to go into the original languages and figure out. Well, I don't know. Yeah. How, or, you know. It might of, be the English version that they're doing. It could be. Yeah. I think, I think that the reason I'm hesitant is I think it was based upon the English version of the Bible, yeah. not the okay. Hebrew Version yeah, because the verses the weren't inspired; yeah. they were added. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then you get into the whole deal about um, well, are certain passages uh, that even we find in the New or Old Testament are these uh, some additions from a scribe? You know, things yeah. along this line. So, yeah, um, it's a fascinating idea. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's it's around the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <around> the middle. <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> It's certainly a good foundational it, it's verse. It's definitely one you need to have under your belt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, Pastor Scott, is there anything going on you'd like to share? I, Boy, uh, I, yeah, I would. News updates. I would. Uh, you know, uh, it's like uh, one of the uh, the most interesting uh, blessings that we have of doing this program is keeping you all up to date about uh, issues in the news that people are concerned about from a decidedly biblical point of view. And, and by that, we not only... Uh, analyze uh, modern trends, uh, you know, the, uh, the cultural conflicts that go on, spiritual issues, uh, crises in, uh, inside the church and outside the church. But we also try to give you uh, insights into issues from the perspective of biblical prophecy, what the Bible has to say about the last days and the end times. Well, full disclosure, uh, one of the things that we uh, firmly believe uh, is that we are in the last days and the end times. Uh, the fact that Israel is back in the land is probably one of the most dramatic heavenly heads-ups uh, anybody has gotten in the last 2,000 years, mm. that, uh, as James says, uh, the Lord is uh, near even at the doors. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we like to keep you guys updated on these things, but we want to be careful not to go into the realm of hysteria. Not everything you see in the news, not everything that's coming down the pike 
is necessarily a sign of the time or something that is directly prophetic. However, there are uh, events going on in the news that uh, do raise issues that are really important for us to understand prophetically. And one of those happened uh, over the last couple of days. I got a, a number of questions asking uh, about uh, the uh, current controversy surrounding a uh, communist Chinese uh, spy balloon that uh, has uh, followed the jet stream from China uh, into uh, the United States. It covered first uh, over Alaskan territory and it now uh, is currently uh, visible to people on the ground in uh, the state of Montana. Uh, according to projections, it's going to continue into the Midwest. If you're in Billings, Montana, which I understand is the uh, epicenter of Levi Lesko's uh, Fresh Life Church. I don't know if they're spying on Levi there. <laughs> Levi, uh, you know. Uh, Give us a, a shout out. out. Give it a shout out. Look out the window. And, <laughs> but uh, this spy balloon is so huge that uh, you can see it from the ground. People are taking pictures of it with their cell phones. Wow. And it's been identified just as that. It is an espionage design balloon. Well, uh, the uh, controversy on, about all of this, obviously, is, uh, okay, this spy balloon is going over the United States. It's going over Montana, which, uh, among other things, is uh, where the Strategic Air Command uh, headquarters uh, is located. Uh, there's a number of nuclear sites uh, in uh, Montana, and it would be a target-rich environment for a, uh, a spying venture by the communist Chinese government. Well, when uh, this thing hit the airwaves, uh, President Joe Biden, according to a number of uh, reports, uh, immediately called in his uh, chiefs of staff and ordered the balloon uh, to be shot down. He was immediately rebuffed, believe it or not, by his generals, who said that the balloon should not be shot down because of the possibility of it doing damage to people on the ground. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've ever been to Montana, you ever been to Montana? I went to school at Montana State yeah, University. Yeah, okay, well, being the resident, <laughs> I visited Montana, Yellowstone National Park, gone through yes. Montana a number of, right. of times, but you're the resident expert who actually lived in Montana. Did, Isn't sure. there an awful lot of open space for uh, for balloon fragments to fall in Montana? Yes, yeah, especially where I might hit a buffalo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. not the buffalo. Not a, not the buffalo. But uh, very interesting that uh, President Biden was rebuffed by his Joint Chiefs of Staff, who overruled him, huh. according to one report, and uh, said, mm. "No, we aren't going to shoot down the balloon. We're going to continue to monitor it." Uh, again, uh, a press conference was called uh, where uh, Defense Secretary General Lloyd Austin uh, and uh, General Mark Milley, the head of, uh, of the, chair, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, had a meeting not only with uh, President Biden, but a press conference uh, where some of the answers uh, regarding the, uh, the concerns there were rather flip. Uh, like, for instance, when they asked, um, well, you know, uh, what are, is the government doing to track this balloon? Well, one of the generals responded by saying, well, we don't really need to do much to track the balloon. You just look up and you'll see where it is. Mm. Well, this is a communist Chinese spy balloon. And I guess to emphasize the gravity of the situation, uh, just do a little uh, role reversal here. Mm. What if the United States sent a spy balloon over, uh, say, Beijing? Probably not going to be up very long. Yeah, uh, I think it would be dispatched post 
hazed. Yeah. And yet now we see kind of this dithering going on and, uh, and so on. Uh, the United States uh, military responded by playing down the event and uh, even sent AWACS spy planes escorted by Raptor F-22 fighters from Nellis Air Force Base to keep a close watch on this balloon. Mm. Uh, now we find out that this isn't the first uh, Chinese trespasser. Uh, it's described as uh, by U.S. security officials, not just a balloon that's drifting in the jet stream. Someone might say, well, maybe it just got caught up in the atmosphere. Right. It is maneuverable. Yeah. It has the ability to change Shift course. Gears. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and in fact, uh, in spite of the jet stream, it stayed over the Billings area for the last the three days or so. Uh, so uh, the, the, the interesting thing about this is that its altitude, I guess, fluctuates between four and 36 miles. Obviously, when it's only four miles up, uh, that's uh, under the uh, the general uh, flight plan of uh, most uh, airplanes and jetliners and stuff and such. 36 miles up, obviously, would be far above all of that. Uh, the uh, Pentagon has uh, taken uh, great pains to say that uh, the balloon is not uh, in any way endangering any kind of air traffic and, uh, and that they are aware of this and they have taken measures to make sure that this balloon is not able to uh, uh, obtain classified information as it flies over the country. Now, I don't know exactly how you do that. I am not a, a spy balloon technologist, no. but uh, that's, that's out of my lane. But the interesting thing is this. Uh, American forces uh, late yesterday in Taiwan and Philippines have been strongly augmented as a result of this. Hmm. In other words, there's some saber rattling that's going on. Like, uh, you know, you, at the very least, I would think, uh, the President of the United States would say something about, you're making me look bad. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking rather impotent as far as being able to defend our airspace from something this large and this kind of in your face. Um, do me a solid hmm. and get the thing out of here. Well, China basically is saying, uh, forget it. Uh, and some of our other allies are responding in kind. Uh, you know, the official Chinese Global Times commented, if balloons from other countries could really enter the continental United States smoothly or even enter the sky over certain states, it only proves the U.S. air defense system is completely a decoration and cannot be trusted. Mm. Wow. Quite a in, statement. In fact, in the China Daily, they took it up a notch and said, to spy on the U.S. with a balloon, one must uh, both fall far behind to use a 1940s technology and be advanced enough to control its flights across the ocean. Those fabricating this lie are only exposing their ignorance. So they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth yeah. here. So, uh, you know, kind of a pl plausible deniability uh, sort of a thing. Yeah. So, you know, what mm. significance does this have as far as prophecy is concerned. If you follow us on Twitter, I guess the way I phrase this for the program is which is scarier, a unidentified flying object or an identified, identified. flying object? In yeah. this case, I would say an identified flying object is a lot scarier because I would have to agree with a comment from the Global Times that if this uh, spy balloon has been tracked, and there were other comments that were made about the fact that this isn't the first time this has happened, that this is a semi-regular occurrence. Mm. One general kind of poo-pooing it, saying, well, we spy on them, they spy on us. That's just the way it works. 
Um, if you can't defend your airspace from a large lumbering balloon uh, moving along kind of at the speed of the jet stream and parked over Billings, Montana, what sort of protection are you going to be able to have if, say, for instance, Iran uh, is capable of intercontinental ballistic missile technology? Mm. Uh, what kind of defense do you have there? Uh, probably not much. Yeah. You know, or maybe we're not showing our hand about the kind of, uh, of protections that we have along this line. Uh, some politicians have uh, talked about the need for the United States to develop a similar uh, missile defense system as the Iron Dome that protects Israel, except this one would be far more sophisticated, uh, protecting our country from uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. However, uh, the upping the ante uh, as far as uh, ballistic missile technology now is a uh, brand of technology called uh, uh, hypersonic missiles. Uh, missiles that are brought into a suborbital pattern and launched at speeds you know, exceeding Mach 5, Mach mm. 8, uh, which would make them very, very difficult to counter by at least what we know of, of current technology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the most interesting thing about this is, and I think this is where it dovetails into something prophetically, are, are Chinese spy balloons mentioned in biblical prophecy? I think we can <laughs> emphatically say no. <laughs> that is not something that we can, uh, can fold, spindle, and mutilate any kind of scripture together and say, yay, in the last days there will be Chinese spy balloons. But there is a huge question that comes up in the realm of last days Bible prophecy. Mm. And it goes something like this. If the United States is the 800-pound military and economic gorilla, if uh, you know we basically are the policemen for the world, mm. uh, we are the breadbasket for the world, uh, we are the one through Wall Street and, uh, and the other uh, uh, the centralized uh, economy, uh, basically control so much of what's going on in the world, why isn't the United States mentioned as one of the key players in end times prophecy? There are specific nations mentioned in uh, end times prophecy. A revived Roman Empire, um, the European Union in some form, a one world dominating government is certainly talked about in biblical prophecy. We see in passages like Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, nations like Russia uh, clearly defined as having roles to play in the last days and the end times. Modern Iran, another one. Turkey, another nation that is going to have a, a role in these last days. And to state the absolute obvious, uh, the nation of Israel is going to have a decided role in the last days and the end times. But where's the United States? Hmm. Some people have tried to, well, I think, uh, read into Scripture rather than read out of Scripture and try to say, well, maybe Revelation 18 about commercial Babylon, maybe that's a reference to the United States. I think that's a reach. Uh, there are some that will take a look at some passages in Isaiah about the land, uh, the land whose uh, the, the rivers divide, a tall and smooth people, fearsome from their beginning. Well, it's very clear when you take a look at that passage in Isaiah 19 that it's talking about Ethiopia. Uh, it's not talking uh, about the United States, well, it's the Mississippi River and things like that. You, know, you really have to read into a passage to see it. I personally believe the United States is conspicuous by its absence as far as being in, in a major player in the last days in the end time. Now, the big question is, why? Hmm. Well, I think there's three possible answers to that question. Number one, the United States is showing rapid signs 
of decline in terms of our ability to maintain our position as the big kahuna in the world, mm. if you want to use that, that expression. Uh, you know, morally, uh, financially, uh, even militarily, we do have state-of-the-art, uh, a state-of-the-art military, but uh, it's really interesting to me that a good deal of the education that is going on, particularly in our service academies, has more to do with gender roles and, uh, uh, again, uh, social uh, justice issues than it does with actually conducting a war. Uh, I can guarantee you the Red Chinese are not wasting time uh, educating their up-and-coming people, their generals, uh, about, uh, say, critical race theory. They're, they're just not interested. They don't have many inclusion classes going on? Not too many. <laughs> so, you know, the, the bottom line is we're seeing this erosion of confidence in not just the military, but uh, the federal government, uh, the FBI, uh, you know, even uh, institutions like, uh, you know, our, our sports, uh, you know, local elections, whether we can trust them or not. It almost seems like there is a systematic undermining of confidence in the major uh, issues in in, uh, in parts of our institutions. So, uh, you know, there was a time uh, roughly around oh, 120 years or so when the old expression was, and I know, Dave, this will hit home with you, uh, the sun never set on the British Empire. Mm. Uh, Great Britain dominated the world, uh, and uh, the, the British Empire uh, was, was huge and massive. Well, you know, the, the British discovered that you cannot maintain a welfare state and maintain a world-dominating empire. And so uh, the British Empire pretty much has uh, devolved into a commonwealth. Uh, there's a few countries that still uh, have God Save the Queen as their anthem, uh, but that's about it. Uh, Britain's a bit player. Uh, not necessarily, not in any stretch of the imagination, a world leader. It's entirely possible that the United States is going the same way because economically, militarily, politically, it's very, very difficult to maintain the level of involvement as the world's policemen that we have uh, been occupying since World War II. So uh, it's possible that the United States is just going to continue to drift in this direction. And I think the... Um, the, the, the real, I, I, I use the word advisedly, impotence as far as dealing with something like this that is just yeah. an in-your-face violation of your airspace. You know, I know Israel wouldn't put up with something like this for very long. I know uh, if the roles were reversed, China wouldn't put up uh, with this for very long. We're putting up with it. Mm -hmm. uh, why? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Maybe it's the influence of the old uh, inclusion, <laughs> diversity, you know, uh, kind of culture that's even in the government. Maybe maybe it's like, you know. Well, and, and we hear, you know, the stories about, uh, you know, Chinese uh, uh, money corrupting individuals and doing deals with the communist Chinese government yeah. and so on. Uh, you know, that's entirely possible. It is, it is possible that one of the reasons the United States isn't mentioned in biblical prophecies, we're going to continue to go down Britain's road. And sooner or later, we're going to be a footnote in history. Uh, there's going to be a vacuum that is going to be created as a result of that, and the Antichrist and the revived Roman Empire is going to seize power and fill that vacuum and dominate the world. Entirely possible. Mm. The second possibility, and our, our good friend Joel Rosenberg uh, has uh, written uh, some of his political thrillers about this, 
is that perhaps the United States will be taken out in some kind of a limited uh, war, some kind of limited nuclear exchange. And uh, we will not be a dominating figure in the world because of that. We will lose a major war. Now, whether mm -hmm. it was nuclear or not is, is another question. All the saber rattling that we're seeing going on uh, with Ukraine. Uh, now uh, we're sending tanks to Ukraine. Our president, uh, back a year ago, March, said something like, if we ever send tanks to Ukraine, that's the start of World War III. Well, now we're sending <laughs> tanks to Ukraine, right. which is kind of a disturbing uh, sort of a development here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the possibility of a limited war uh, halfway around the world, uh, but involving a, a pretty significant uh, world power, at least a nuclear power like Russia, uh, you know, we keep tweaking things with them, keep poking the Russian bear, mm -hmm. something really bad could happen. Yeah. And it could re-scramble the whole world scene. We don't know. It's possible. You know, is the United States going to be taken out in a limited war? Are we going to be shown for to be a paper tiger because uh, we have all the military but not the uh, the will to be able to use it mm -hmm. in any kind of de decisive way? Maybe this spy thing is hinting in that direction. Mm. Uh, the most optimistic point of view, though, about why the United States isn't mentioned in biblical prophecy is the rapture, mm. the fact that Jesus is going to come back for his people and snatch us out uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. We're going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord forever before the final seven years of God's wrath is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. God will then deal with the world again through the nation of Israel. We've talked quite a bit about this. Mm. But uh, the church as it is right now will not be a part of things. Now, you know, we've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, the Barno organization that does, you know, the, the rough equivalent of uh, pew polls for Christians uh, did a survey where they determined that there were some 54 million self-identifying evangelical Christians in the United States, mm. Bible-believing evangelical Christians. Wow. Well, say that's half right. Uh, say, you know, as far as a sincere born-again Christian, you've got, you know, 27 million people suddenly at the rapture vanished. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned this before, but at 9-11, um, just under 3,000 people died in those attacks. And it uh, fractured our economy, uh, devastated for about three, four years yeah. before we recovered from that. Yeah. Could you imagine not 3,000 people, but 27 million people yeah. suddenly gone? Yeah. What would that do to this country as opposed, say, to some of the other countries of the world, as opposed to how the rapture would impact, say, Western Europe? Or Russia, or some of the other nations. Yeah, especially where especially where people actually live. Yeah, you know, like China. Yeah, you know, yeah. India. Yeah, Africa. Yeah, huge the, places. Yeah, and and pockets. they're they're going to be minorly, I would say, impacted by this, but not as much, according to Barna, as the United States. So when the rapture happens, this is, I think, the most optimistic point of view. Uh, the United States is going to suddenly implode, it, you know, e economically. Who's going to pay all those mortgages? Who's going to mm -hmm. pay all those credit cards? Uh, you know, as far as leadership, as far as uh, key people in the military, key, key people in government, uh, infrastructure, people being able to maintain these sort of things. Who's going to be able to keep all that up mm -hmm. when suddenly you have 27 million, with an M, people suddenly gone? Yeah, and you know what's interesting is when you study the book of Revelation, you see that 
mm. you know, this this obviously absence of the United States from the scene. You see things really dominated by the Middle Eastern scenes. Right. And then you get these hints of like, you know, people from the East or, you know, people from the North, right. you know, and all. But it's really central around, you know, Israel, of course. Um, and I just find it really fascinating that, you know, what you're saying is like with the rapture happening and with the potential of the United States population to be cut quite a bit, a very significant bit to where the country is just yeah, about impotent. 10%. Yeah, yeah. It just it's down. It's impotent, you know, to really do anything. It really leads a huge vacuum, you know, and you see in the Bible places like maybe uh, old Babylon, the place of Saudi Arabia you know, really coming on the scene. Or most fascinatingly, in Revelation 16, we're told that one of the plagues that's going to happen in, or judgments that's going to happen in the tribulation is that the Euphrates River is going to be dried up to make way for the people, of the, the kings of the East. Yeah. Uh, literally, the kings of the sun rising. That's how it's rendered in the original language. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And uh, <laughs> when you take a look at how China has been uh, investing itself in what it's <clears throat> called its Silk Road Initiative, that is to build, uh, you know, huge, uh, sophisticated highways uh, through Central Asia into the Middle Eastern area. We're seeing some of these things coming together. We know China is going to be a player there. Yeah. You know, a, a consolidation maybe of uh, people from China. Uh, one army that is mentioned in the book of Revelation, whether it's a spiritual army or whether it's a physical army, is numbered at 200 million men. Mm -hmm. 200 million. That was greater than the entire population of the world when the book of Revelation was written. Unreal. And that's going to be one army that's going to be involved with all of this. Well, back in 1963, I believe, uh, the, uh, the People's Liberation uh, Army uh, of Red China boasted that they were already uh, at the level of having 200 million soldiers. Mm. You know, and with their advances economically, technologically, and so on, uh, I don't think things have declined, and China is not our friend, you know, in spite of what you may have believed. So, yeah. so the, the bottom line is this, you know, if in fact the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy, A, because we've just lost the stomach to be a world leader, that's possible, B, we are diminished or taken out entirely in some kind of limited war, or most optimistically C, the rapture happens, and there are so many people that are taken in the United States that uh, the United States is just devastated and into that power vacuum comes the Antichrist. I mm -hmm. think that's a very logical, uh, plausible, prophetic uh, situation, a scenario that, that could very easily happen. And, you know, the, the other reason I like uh, option number three, and I'll just wrap up with that, is uh, that if we really want option number three to happen, we can be a part of that right. by sharing our faith. Yeah. By reaching out to people with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, by telling people who are getting freaked out and uh, wondering what in the world's going on here. Now we've got Chinese spy balloons coming over the, the country and nobody's doing anything about it. You know, I mean, uh, chicken littleism is uh, spreading like wildfire. We can say, look, God's in control. God has a plan and he's going to right this world gone wrong. And if you see this world, people ask me, what do you think this world's coming to? I've got an answer, an end. Mm -hmm at least under current management. Yeah. But we know that Jesus is coming back, and we know that things are going to get darker before the dawn. Mm. You know, As far as this world is concerned, we're like the Titanic. We've already hit the iceberg. Mm. 
the, the ship's going down. There's nothing we can do about that. But we can be used by God to get as many people to the lifeboat of salvation as we possibly can. And, and, you know, and I hope that when we talk about these things, it's not just clickbaity, ooh, you know, sensationalistic, boy, I bet we'll get uh, great response on this particular program. But I, I hope that if you're, you're listening or watching this particular broadcast, you know, you'll spend a little time praying, just saying, Lord, how can I be a part of reaching out to people in these days where people are so hysterical, so depressed, so discouraged, uh, some people say, well, I just don't even know how to raise the issue. Let me give you one great way to, uh, to bring the Lord into any conversation. I had the opportunity to do this earlier today. Just wait for somebody to be sharing how discouraged and depressed or distressed they are about this world. Mm. And, and just look at them and say, hey, you know, I can see you're really discouraged. Can I pray for you? Mm. You know, I have never had a single person turn me down when, when they've shared, oh, just how you know, uh, at wit's end they are and how discouraged they are. I've never had a single person turn me down. And, and when you pray, you don't have to, you know, do a, a prayer, uh, preach kind of a thing. Just talk to the Lord. You know, just thank the Lord that Jesus loves us and thank the Lord that Jesus died for us and that he rose from the dead in a moment of history so we could have life. And because of that, we can have confidence. If you have reached out to us and, and, and reconciled us to yourself at such a cost, you're going to take care of everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so funny. Even total non-believers don't go to church, maybe even a little hostile. Uh, you know, it's just amazing the response, the reaction. You know, a lot of times they'll say, well, nobody's ever prayed for me before. And I, I'm just, I'm blown away by that. But more often than not, you know, you almost see them getting teary-eyed and they'll just say, thank you. Thank you for, for praying for me. So that's a great way, you know, if you're more bold, you know, get into a conversation with your family or your unsaved friends about it, you know. Uh, you know, we've got our uh, outreach going on at the Tank of Verde Swap Meet where we have a booth set up there uh, every Friday night and we reach out to all kinds of people there. Find out what your church is doing to, to reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ and get in on it because, um, you know, as our good friend Joel Rosenberg again puts it, in light of what's going on in this world and all the crazy stuff and Chinese spy balloons flying over, the you know, what in the world's going on? Um, you know, he, he would always say, in light of what's going on in the world today, if you're planning some major sin in your life, I definitely put it off. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because Jesus is coming soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I love what you shared. Um, it was really encouraging and challenging. I think it was Wednesday night about being a, uh, being a watchman and how um, there's no time to be indifferent, you know, to the salvation of people around us. And, right. it, you know, it really challenged me. I, I mean, a few months ago, I got a dog and I've been going to the dog park a lot. <laughs> and it struck me, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I've got the whole, I'm making friends over there. You know, we, you see the same people. And it really struck me when you said that, you know, not to be indifferent about the salvation of people around you and just meet people and just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if they're saved or not, and just be indifferent to it. Yeah. God's called us to be watchmen and um, to be mindful of those things. So, yeah. Well, even as a pastor, you know, and I know, Bo, you probably feel the same way. There's one of the most disconcerting thoughts that goes through my mind is this. I think about what Calvary Christian Fellowship will be like the Sunday following the rapture. Yeah. And how many people will show up for church as usual yeah. that didn't make a decision to receive Christ or were just kind of phoning it up or or were in church because they had a drug problem, as Robert Furr would say. Someone drug them to church, yeah. you know. Um, 
probably more than we'd like to think. Yeah. So we need to be about the business, you know, uh, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, Titus chapter 2 says, mm-hmm. teaching us that, that uh, living soberly, righteously, and godly in the prison. No, soberly, you know, it's sober times. Uh, you know, we're looking for the blessed hope yeah. and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. That should be our motivation to godly living yeah. and to reach out to those who don't know the love of the Lord. Right. Anything you'd add to that? Well, I would say just, uh, you know, something you've said before in, uh, in some of your messages about this, and that is just, you know, people, Christians need to learn to smile and, uh, <laughs> and, just, you yeah. know, and just, you know, just, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength yeah. and just enjoy Christ. Um, and if Christians can simply learn to enjoy the Lord, yeah. then it's going to be a natural overflow of their right. heart, you know, in their relationship with Christ to want to love people. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we're not loving people and wanting to share or having a heart for people, we really have to stop and and really do some work with the Lord and find yeah. out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? good. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, we have some questions coming in if you guys are ready to yeah, let's dive take in. some questions. A uh, question from Giovanni on uh, Proverbs 9.17, which says, uh, Stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And the question is, what is what does that mean? What is stolen water? It's a question from Giovanni, Proverbs 9.17. Well, I, I just think, uh, Giovanni, the easiest answer to that is uh, the old notion of the forbidden fruit. Mm. Um, you know, going all the way back to uh, the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, there's something that is compelling to us about something that we know is out of bounds. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the clearest uh, diagnostics that we are by nature fallen and rebellious individuals as far as our relationship with God is concerned. Uh, God says, thou shalt not. We respond by saying, we'll see about that. Uh, And and that's what the the proverb is talking about. Mm. Uh, You know, and and I guess to dovetail with it, I'll never forget what a friend of mine uh, who came to know the Lord after spending some time in jail for selling drugs uh, told me. He said, Scott, nobody do drugs if they didn't make you feel good. Right. You know, oh, those awful drugs. Nobody wants to do that because that's really bad. It's like no. rolling in poison ivy or something. No, yeah. no. <laughs> you know, there, there's an allure. There's a, an element uh, that appeals to our flesh in these kind of things. And that's what the proverb is illustrating. Mm. Anything you'd add to that, Bill? Yeah, I, I love the uh, NIV kind of notes on this section because it links kind of this chapter with the chapter of the adulteress in the Proverbs. So if you've studied the book of Proverbs, you run into an adulteress at the beginning of the book, kind of, I think maybe chapter five through seven. And then you get to this chapter, which is about wisdom. And it's kind of spoken in a very similar way. Like, you know, like, you know, this kind of come to me kind of idea. Mm. There's the adulteress that's being contrasted to wisdom. And, and here, then you get this statement, stolen water is sweet. And it's kind of still that contrast of kind of, you know, you could even look at it literally with the adulteress, you know, the alluring that's there. The you know, forbidden. Yeah, yeah, the forbidden, like you were saying. And I love what it says. It says, stolen water is sweet. So it's even mm. stolen. Even the, um, you know, the water that's on the table of, you know, in a sense, the adulteress is stolen. Yeah. It's, there's something mm. wrong with it. Yeah, so, and, and not to minimize this, yeah. but as our good... Uh, friend uh, Ronnie Simone, the tour guide, 
uh, who sees us through Israel, points out water in the Middle East mm-hmm. is the lifeblood mm-hmm. uh, of any civilization. You know, we look we look at water like, well, we have Avion, we have yeah, BG, right, you know, or, right. uh, you know, because we get it, you know, turn on the tap and there you go. I can't drink that tap water. I need to, you yeah. know, and and so we minimize that. But in the Middle East, especially when Solomon was writing that proverb, man, it was uh, the most important thing in the world. Mm, yeah. 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 And it, it, it's also interesting that verse two says, um, you know, wisdom has built, well, well, one says, wisdom has built her house. She has honed out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. You know, meat and wine, pretty expensive stuff. Pretty good mm-hmm. things. Yeah. You know, and then it's interesting. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. You know, it's like, it's almost like a cheap version of what wisdom can give you. Mm. You know, wisdom can give you the meat, you know, the good mm. stuff, you know, the mm. wine, the meat. But, you know, then you have this, this adulterous, this stolen, you know, water. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you can apply it to all kinds of sins, right. <laughs> you know, that are alluring out yeah. there. Yeah, very good. Well, Giovanni, thank you. Great question. Thank you for being part of the show with your question there. Hope that helps you out. A question from Art, who we know well. I just saw him before the show, actually. Um, he asked, what can I say to parents who just lost uh, their son? Both are not believers. I know we've we've all done several memorials. I know you guys probably more than myself. But any uh, advice for Art as he ministers to these parents who just lost their child? Obviously very sensitive. Where would you start with that, Bo? Yeah, um, the parents, just so I understand mm-hmm. it right, the parents don't know the Lord. Not believers, correct. And they had a uh, son that passed away. That's right. Um, you know, I, I think the best thing to do with anybody in these situations is to be as honest and loving, you know, loving, you know, speak the truth and love mm-hmm. to people. And, um, you know, to share, you know, I don't know how old the child is. It might be a little different, the conversation, depending on how young the child is. Yeah. But I've done a lot of memorials, I, I think, in my 30 years, or quite mm-hmm. a bit yeah. of young kids that yeah. have passed away mm-hmm. where I did not know where their parents were. Right. And, you know, at those memorials, I, I feel very compelled to share the gospel right. and to be very clear with them about how to um, enter into heaven yeah. and what Jesus Christ did. Um, I don't. I don't think it's uh, probably any. Um, it's not uh, productive just to kind of skirt the situation, skirt the issue. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. You know. It. It, it reminds me of uh, one of the um, toughest, but uh, but most enlightening uh, counseling sessions I think I ever had as a pastor when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa. Uh, there were 12 full-time pastors on staff at a church that dealt with 40,000 people on a weekly basis. So believe me, we did a lot mm. of counseling. You know, you'd go in pretty much from dawn to dusk. It was one after another after another. Wow. And this couple came in and they were just devastated because uh, their six-month-old son died of sudden infant death syndrome. Mm. And you know, at that point, I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. You know, what in the world could I possibly say to somebody in that situation? And, you know, I just felt overwhelmed. And, you know, and so what I did say was, I said, well, you know, children are very important to God. You know, God loves children. And not even death can separate a child from the love of God. Uh, When 
Jesus, uh, when, uh, when Jesus was ministering, uh, there were parents who wanted to bring their children to him to touch and to bless, and the disciples tried to shoo him off like mm-hmm. they weren't important enough for the master's time. We're told that Jesus became indignant. Mm-hmm. The word in the original language means to snort like an angry horse. I mean, he was mad mm-hmm. when he saw that. Mm-hmm. You want to get Jesus mad, get between him and children. Mm-hmm. And we're told, he, he said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Mm. And we're told that he took the children up in his arms and blessed them. Boy, what a moment that, yeah. that, that must have been yeah. to see Jesus do that. And if that's Jesus, that's God in human flesh, telling us how much he loves children. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's hard for me to wrap my mind around is that God even loves my now full-grown adult children more than I ever could. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just the overwhelming love when you first see your children being born and, mm-hmm. and all of that, it's almost like a, an insight into how much God looks at us at his, as his children and loves us. But it, it can't hold a candle to the perfect love that God has for us. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with them. And, and I also talked to him about King David, who mm-hmm. lost a child and uh, prayed earnestly for that child. And uh, he was fasting and praying, and uh, when he heard his servants whispering, he asked, is the child dead? And they were worried about telling him because they, were, they thought, oh, he might do something radical if, if he finds out about He's this. He's so emotional. He's so emotional. Mm. And we're told that David stood up, went back, took a bath, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, ordered some food and ate, and, and his uh, uh, associates, said to him, what is this you've done? You fasted and wept for the child. This is 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, you fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And then I love this. He said, I shall go to him, mm-hmm. but he shall not return to me. Mm. You know, David mm. had complete confidence he was going to see that child again. Mm. And uh, he didn't have nearly the insight into the afterlife that we have because mm-hmm. God, who created the heavens and the earth, tells us how we can be there. So, you know, like you said, Bo, uh, in those situations, to emphasize to people who are grieving and hurting that God cares, he really cares about that child, mm-hmm. and, and that not even death can separate that child from God's love and his care and his compassion, not to minimize the grief and the suffering that, that they're going through, mm-hmm. but, but just to say, you know, and especially in a situation like you mentioned uh, with, with art where they don't know the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, it's also, and you've gotta be sensitive because people are in grief and you don't wanna, you know, uh, just uh, overwhelm them. <coughs> but, you know, those can be times when people are so overwhelmed with grief and, and you know, their emotions are really raw and they're staring the reality of death in the face. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to say to them, you know, your child is in God's hands. You know, would you like to be sure in your heart that you're going to see that child again someday? Well, this is how you get right with God. This is how you uh, receive his love as his child. Yep. And uh, boy, you know, uh, I, I say it was such an enlightening a deal for me because after we got done, you know, I shared those scriptures with this this uh, couple, and I just, yeah, I was just kind of overwhelmed. I mean, I, I just felt like the wind had been knocked out of me, and and uh, so I, I, before my next counseling appointment, I walked out into the the uh, plaza area there at Costa Mesa and was catching my breath when Pastor Romaine, who was Chuck's right hand man, 
mm-hmm. came by. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Pastor Romaine, uh, the word at Costa Mesa was was that uh, Chuck Smith was the shepherd of the sheep, but Romaine was the sheepdog because he'd nip you when you got out of line. He's a former Marine drill sergeant. There's no such thing as a former Marine drill sergeant, right? You are one, you are one. And so he sees me standing and goes, what's wrong with you? And I was kind of stunned. I said, oh, well, I just got done with this really heavy counseling appointment. This, this couple lost their child in sudden infant death syndrome. And he goes, what'd you tell him? And, you know, I, again, I was being a little stunned. I said, well, you know, I share with him about how Jesus loved children. He blessed them. And I talked about David, and he was confident to see. He said, and he goes, you read him the Bible? And I went, yeah, I fully expect him to, to say, drop and give me 50, you know. <laughs> but then he looked at me, and he said, good. Because if you come up with something better to share with people than the Bible, then share it. But tell them you stick to the Word of God. And that's what people need. You know, whether they're identifying as Christians or not, God's word is powerful. It gets through to the heart, and, and it can give comfort to people on a level that we can't provide, no matter how well-intentioned our comfort might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I would just uh, say for resources, you could always grab at the church um, comfort for those that mourn, right. written by Pastor Chuck Smith, and hand that out to the family yeah. uh, and just make them available, and that way... If, you know, it gives them some time to go home and maybe open that up. Yeah, very good. Well, help. hope that helps you out. Oh, God bless you as you minister to that family. I um, hope that helps to equip you there. Obviously a very sensitive situation. Uh, question from Jonathan. What is the significance of the healing leaves mentioned in Ezekiel, since you're teaching in Ezekiel? Uh, I think it's 4712, 47, uh, Healing leaves. What is the significance of that? Yeah, well, uh, this is sort of a uh, one of those uh, previews of coming attractions. The section in Ezekiel is detailing uh, what life is going to be like after Jesus returns uh, and uh, sets up his thousand-year reign on earth, including a rebuilt temple. Uh, the temple that we see in Ezekiel is really fascinating because its dimensions and its description are unlike any temple that has ever existed in Jewish history. So, uh, you know, what we see in that thousand-year reign of Christ is uh, things that point ahead to something even more wonderful than the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, and that is the eternal state. And there's a fascinating statement that is made about the, uh, the nature of the eternal state. In Revelation chapter 22, uh, we're told, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be upon their forehead. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever." You know, there's a fascinating part about uh, what eternal life is going to be like. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. The word there is therapeuo. We get our term therapy from it. And what it means is that in the eternal state, you're not only going to be able to eat the 12 different kinds of fruit that the tree of life is going to be produced. Now, notice we're not allowed after the fall of man to have access to the tree of life. It's like gone uh, after Eden. In fact, God even put 
a cherubim with a flaming sword to guard the way back to it. If you don't right. think that cherubim are awesome creatures, read Ezekiel chapter one. You'll get an idea just how awesome these creatures really are. <laughs> not the little chubby babies? Yeah, no, 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 no. Not not the little chubby babies, but certainly uh, awesome creatures that would probably cause us to pass out from fright if we saw one. Mm. Uh, and yet the tree of life comes back here in the end. We have access to it. And not just to eat its fruit, and, and it's going to be so wonderful. We'll be able to eat and enjoy fruit, something that's delicious, you know, something that we experience in the here and now is going to have its ultimate fulfillment then. You know, heaven isn't just going to be this, this stale, uh, dull, tasteless, sanitized sort of thing out of 2001, a space odyssey or something like that. Uh, it's going to be this beautiful celebration of all the good gifts. Literally sweet. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> but the leaves being therapeutic for the nation. Some people say, well, why will the nations need any therapy? They're in the perfect eternal state. Well, it literally means life-giving or health-giving. And uh, it, it carries the idea not just of something that will save your life, but something that will actually enhance your life mm. every day. Mm. You know, and so uh, the, the, the different ways that these leaves are going to be prepared and uh, administered to in us are just going to be an overwhelming blessing. And I wish I could tell you more about what that really means. Yeah. But, you know, it's like Paul. It would be unlawful for me to do yeah, so because and, I'd be talking out of my hat. Yeah, so. and it's, <laughs> I love that, though, how the word is, you know, where we get our word uh, therapeutic. Because yeah. when someone's in a therapeutic state, you know, it means they're in a, uh, you know, it's always a healthy place. Mm. You know, it's a move towards health. Mm. And to think that, you know, being with the Lord is always every, uh, you know, every moment, uh, you know, just that present moment with the Lord is always going to be a healthy mm. place. Yeah. You know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Well, great question. Fascinating stuff. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate your question and being part of the show. Just a few minutes uh, here. We're almost at the end of the show here, but... Why don't we lightning rod some Yeah. Question here. from Jaden. Um, why did Jesus need to be led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? Couldn't Satan tempt him anywhere? Uh, from Matthew 4, 1. So. Well, I think the, the site's significant, especially in light of who Jesus was. He was not only the perfect man, he was also the perfect Israelite. Um, every temptation that Israel failed, Jesus succeeded in. Um, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, as First John describes it. But how interesting that Jesus is coming first to present himself as the Jewish Messiah. In order to be accepted as the Jewish Messiah, he has to show himself the perfect Israelite. Remember what the birth of the nation of Israel uh, directly entailed. Their wilderness wandering, their failure before God, almost at every turn in the wilderness wandering. Uh, what the people of Israel failed to do in the wilderness, Jesus succeeded in doing in the wilderness. And that's why he was led out to that place and tempted in that way. And boy, when you see that wilderness outside of Jerusalem down there, it's pretty stark and sometimes scary turf. So, yeah, that's yeah. a great, wow. great answer. Yeah, Jaden, thank you for that. Uh, so yeah, real quick, a question from Neil. Is infant baptism biblical? That's a great one. Yeah, I, I would just say um, we don't see it. So <laughs> let me just say it that way. You know, in reading the Bible, it's one of those things that when I picked up the Bible at 17 and just read through it, I just, I was blown away. I didn't see infant baptism anywhere. Yeah. And so is it biblical? Well, we don't see it in the Bible. 
Yeah, the Bible teaches believers baptism. You have to be old enough to make a conscious decision to receive Jesus as your Savior because baptism is, in a sense, an acted-out sermon where you've made a conscious decision to identify with Christ. Uh, You've invited him into your heart. You've died to the old life. God has given you a new life in Jesus. And so when you're immersed in the water, you uh, identify with his death. When you come up out of the water, it's a picture of being raised to newness of life, according to Romans chapter 6. Yeah, John chapter 1 says, to as many as received him, to to them he gave the right to be called children of God. So you have to receive. Yeah, so uh, baby dedication. Yeah, the important we thing, see that. dedicating yeah. A, yeah. a child to God. Very important to yeah. do. Because yeah. Jesus was dedicated, but, but right? But the, the actual ritual yeah. of baptism, the sprinkling, and what have you, we just don't see it ever portrayed in Scripture, so we don't do it. Right. Very good. Yeah. Um, Yari had a question. Why did Jeremiah say, uh, cursed be the day I was born? And Sean is online and said he was sad, was his answer. <laughs> so I, I think that was it. He had one of the <laughs> roughest ministries you could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. He was sad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeremiah said a lot of things that um, very honest, very honest guy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to even teach your word anymore, Lord. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I love I love honesty and, in the and, Bible. And yeah. he, he did say God's word is like a fire within him, and that he has to share it. But he was honest. You yeah. know that it, that it was really tough to share. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for waxwork figures and stained glass saints, you're not going to find them in the Bible. Right. Real people just like us. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, we're out of time for today. It's Friday, so last day of the week here for us. A Reason for Hope will be back on Monday. If you're looking for somewhere to fellowship in the Tucson, Arizona area, come check us out at Calvary Christian Fellowship. But if not, enjoy worshiping at your home church there. Thank you so much for being part of the broadcast. Scott, thank you. Bo, thank you. Oh, great show. Really welcome. Yeah. Just went like a flash. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word. One question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.